We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we are looking at... Everyone cheer. Alan Pryor's final Yay! episode of Yay! Blake 7. That <laughs> Animals. is cause to cheer. <laughs> That's big cause to cheer. Tarrant and Dana go to Bucol 2, a planet where a former tutor and perhaps something else of Dana's is. She is teleported down, but a random visitation by Federation pursuit ships causes Tarrant to run. The Scorpio is badly damaged. Dana is assaulted by creatures from where the wild things are, and then rescued by Justin, her former tutor. They stare longingly at each other. Justin explains, more or less, his work. During the war, he converted deserters and animals into animals with rudimentary intelligence to the the shock troops in high-radiation battlefields. Um, Justin's the only one left of the team, and he's still trying to perfect those animals. But they've escaped because they apparently object to the horrifically painful brain operations he subjects them to. Commissioner Sleer is alerted to the mysterious planet hopper that traveled off at Time Distort 12 around Bucol 2 and investigates what's so interesting about the planet, a desolate hole of a planet. She learns of the experiments and decides she needs them for some unknown reason. If he could just get Og, the leader of the animals, back, Justin could complete his work. No more painful brain operations. No more. Dana tries to win Og's trust, but it fails, and she falls off a cliff. Um, Sleer's people find her, and when she refuses to cooperate, uh, makes her hate Justin. Uh, Justin, in a fit of grief, because he thinks Dana is dead... Uh, has destroyed his work, but then Dana shows up, and he's very happy, but then she betrays him uh, to Sleer. Uh, And then Sleer promises Justin that she'll make Dana love him again if he'll just work for her, so he agrees. Uh, And then the Scorpio returns, and there's some shooting, and then for some reason Sleer just goes, whoa, let's get out of here, and kills Justin, and they fly off without anything for their things. Uh, Dana, now programmed to love Justin, finds his dead body and cries a bunch. I just I want to I want to start off by by reading you just something that I wrote here. Uh-huh. Um, it's um, six words, six words, okay. and I think it sums up this perfectly. Here they are: Horizon, hostage, the keeper, volcano, animals. Need need you say more? Need we say more? Just go back and listen to those podcasts and see. How bad they were. I seem to recall Horizon wasn't the worst of the bunch. No, it wasn't. Uh, but then you had... Hostage. Hostage. Oh, oh, the Keeper. Ouch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and then, I, le- and and then I, re- I... Volcano, that one is, pardon the pun, burned into my brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now we have... Animals. And at no point, and I am so disappointed in this, at no point... Did they at any point say, are we not men? (laughs) I was so expecting an island of Dr. Moreau moment, I'm telling you. I really was. Uh, So let's do the Dr. Moreau moment here for a second. 
we are at some point, or through most of the episode, told that these animals, as they're called, and regularly just called the animals, have been augmented up so that they can be used as shock troops in high radiation areas. So he has taken animals and raised them up. For example, Og being the most raised up of the bunch. And yet, somewhere about halfway to three quarters of the way through this episode, suddenly we're tossed into the mix. Oh yes, they're actually mixed with deserters from the war. Now all of a sudden it's like, you know, one thing you were taking animals and making them, let's say, arguably better, smarter, more capable, more human-like. It's totally a different thing that you're taking humans and you've put them down to the point where you have to augment them back up. So they can use them as some kind of slave labor force. Right. But, like, the path he took, why is why did he go all the way down so that now they Just have to, to bring work back them up. back up again? Uh, more pliable? Well, maybe that was the... I don't know. It, it makes zero sense. Zero, zero sense. Uh, I'll tell you what does... <clears throat> it does what make um, I should ask did you like this episode Ben I didn't ask no okay no I, I'll tell no, you I didn't I didn't hate it but no did not like it so a couple things about this episode that one is sad and then it's like oh that makes sense and then you're sad again and then mm-hmm. and then you think about it and you're sad again the first was after all this all this stuff throughout first three series pretty much, where we constantly were pointing out that Callie in particular, but Jenna as well, never got an episode. They never got no, they to didn't. shine, really. I mean, even when they got quote-unquote an episode, they were not really in it. I mean, Callie gets to be her sister, or she's taken over, or, you know, it's not Callie. It's not Jenna. Right. And so here, Dana, who is in my opinion, a far lesser light than either Jenna or Callie in terms of she gets, character. She gets her episode. She gets her episode, and you think, wow, isn't that, isn't that awesome? That, that, they, that they learned from their mistakes, and they've decided to give Josette Simon uh, an episode. Um, Sadly, it was this one. Well, just, so here's, let's start with some bad. She's bad. Her acting is appalling. She's just terrible in this. Her, well, her I hate you acting is terrible. Her I'm sad acting is terrible. Her I'm disgusted with you acting is terrible. She is absolute crap. And I don't say that very often about somebody in acting. She is terrible. And I'm just going to finish that off with it. That's Josette Simon, O-B-E. Mm. We're not bitter. No. she, But she's so <laughs> bad in this. And... <laughs> And so that makes it awful that they finally gave out an episode to, to a woman, and it's terrible. And she doesn't uh, – att- I know this is her first professional acting credit. So, you know, hopefully she's gotten better. I've only ever seen her in two other things. Um, and in one of them, I didn't even know I'd seen her in it, and that was in Merlin. And uh, and then she was in an episode of Death in Paradise that I saw, and I did recognize her there. Um and, you know, she was not in the much, as I recall, and yeah, they were okay, but but appalling here. So we, we've got this episode. Then it's a terrible episode. They're trying to right the wrong, and and then I get sad again because apparently this episode was originally intended for Callie. Hmm. 
And it's like I didn't oh, know that. So they finally got around. Well, it'll make it'll all make sense in a second. They finally got around to giving Callie an episode, and she's not even there anymore. And you think that is really sad. Well, that and is of sad. Course, and then of course you think, well, if it was this episode, huh? So it's you know just Callie's bad luck. But but now think about it in terms of this. If it had been Callie, it wouldn't have been so. Wow, Justin's a pedophile. Would it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if he true. was her tutor, and those two are obviously... I mean, I think there's more... Let's put it this way. When Terrence says, does he remember you? Uh-huh. And, and she says something to the effect, I should hope so. I should hope so. Okay, that is not what a teenage girl who has a crush on somebody says. That's what a former lover says. Right. We know she's about... 18, 19 years old when Avon takes her off the planet. Right. Yeah. So she must have been oh, oh, way, way younger. Creepy uncle territory here. No. This yeah, dirty is old just, uncle. Well, now, if it had been Callie, the age could have at least made a little sense. But here, it's just uh, wrong. 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 No, wrong. <laughs> like, this is. I, I can't believe this isn't Ben Steed, uh, although he didn't write this kind of story. But still, um, you know, it seems kind of in the creepy sexual mores kind of territory that he seemed to like. But, uh, mm. oh, oh, I am. I, I, that, that whole sequence just creeps me out when I'm watching it. The whole thing mm-hmm. throughout the whole episode. It's just like, could they could could they have not? Couldn't it have been Sulin? It could have been. I just think that the only reason they gave it to Dana is because, and you're going to love this one, I think she's a better actress. <sighs> well, she's not showing it here. but um, Well, to be honest, I think she's better than Sulin. I mean, Sulin is a, she's a tree. <sighs> yes, she is a bit of a tree. I will, I will agree with that. Um, I no, think she's, that's what no, she's I take written. that back. No, I take it back. She's the Sphinx. I can't read anything off her. I think she's written that way, though. Well, don't that's... You think, don't you think she's supposed to be the sort of laconic gunfighter who just is implacable-faced? Well, this, face, in, but, well but, in that case, they've, they've created a character that they can do nothing with. That's true. Because they haven't given her any room to maneuver in terms of development. So, I mean, she's just there... So that we can keep the number in the title. Right. Right. Which, you know, considering that they're not bothering to keep the Blake in the title, why bother? Yeah, since we're never going to see that guy again. Why keep up with the number, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't disagree that Sulin has not had it much. To, well, heck, I mean, come on. Her first episode, well, her first episode with the crew, you know, they didn't even put her in it. She gets two lines. And yeah. subsequent episodes, she gets maybe one. She she's short. She's on the Gan stick here at the moment, um, in terms of lines. And then oh, that's being generous. Yeah, and and she Gan not, had better stuff than she does so far. So I mean, if if you plunk Sulin down and said, "Hey, Sulin used to have a boyfriend," you I find that go, hard to believe. You might go well. Uh, maybe there's a story there. You you might think it, but we haven't been given enough to say that. Um, but here in Dana's case, no, no, you can't do that. She was a 
teenager. <laughs> well, I think they're hoping that we don't remember that. Or maybe this is another classic. And I really have to emphasize this. This series is just replete with instances of forgetting little story details that they've told in earlier episodes. And I'm willing to bet the fact that they've just decided to completely dismiss the fact that she would have been a teenager at the time she was with Justin. And they've just kind of retconned it into saying, oh, no, she was an adult. Yeah, because we always like to forget things that we wrote in earlier episodes. Yeah, and the actress, it was 22 at the time. But, um, uh, so, I mean, I suppose if the writer wasn't thinking about it and is like, yeah, okay. But, ah, ah, no, 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 no. And so, okay, one, the crew of the the Scorpio, pretty Uh much just using it to pad out some space. Yeah. In the episode, the the comic relief with Villa in the in the goop pit, which wasn't really that funny since when he came out he wasn't actually wet of the tank. Mm-hmm. Which I was kind of disappointed at. But it's probably a BBC Union role. They couldn't have liquid on the on the set because of health and safety, I suppose. Anyway, Who knows? Um that's highly flammable fluid you've got there. You can't have that on the sentence. Um, but yeah, they just, you know, get him out of the way, sit him in the base. And as Avon points out, if Dana gets captured by the Federation, the value of their base is it's zero. Gone. Zero. That base is only useful as long as they are completely and utterly uh, unknown. Yeah, as long as it's a secret. Secret. Uh, they did not have that problem with the Liberator because it they didn't was have a place. base. Scorpio just isn't good enough to be that base. Um, I'm sorry, sir. (laughs) He is... um, Yeah. Let's talk about Slave for a second. (laughs) I I don't like the sniveling personality that they've programmed in there. However, I can imagine in a world somebody might get off on that. And I don't mean that in a sexual way, but I mean just like that's their... They'll get a laugh out of it. Yeah, that's their thing. So so Dorian, you know, made this supercomputer and then he gave it a personality that amuses him. Okay, or strokes his ego or whatever. I'm sure that that's how the White House computers work right now. (laughs) And so, okay, right? That's fine. But, and saying I'm sorry all the time and, okay, that's part of the programming. That's part of the programming. What I didn't like in the episode was he was flustered. Um, yeah. You, you, For a you computer? Try, you, you might try course 024. It's like, no, I think that if he's a supercomputer, that that would sort of override that sort of personality feed. I mean, no programmer would write it that way. They would only do it when it's – it's like, you know, today, today. I understand that if you have your uh, iPhone and you (laughs) – now, everyone stand by. And if you say, hey, Siri, hey, computer, you're going to get a response from the Lego Batman movie because that's a thing that they're doing. But it doesn't interfere with your work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So anytime that 
And I apologize to all those people out there who I just triggered your iPhones. Because <laughs> I know it triggered mine. Well, not – well, it, my, my iPhone didn't hear that, so I'm well, lucky. you probably got headphones on too. That's true. <laughs> so, but it's all, it's all our listeners who are listening to this <laughs> at home, in their car, or whatever. Anyway, it'll probably trigger mine off when I'm driving home and really listening to this someday. <laughs> I'll have caught myself out. Anyhow, but the point is is that the computer, its trappings, the, 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 the obsequiousness, the, the toadying is, is trappings. It shouldn't have interfered with its computational work on the course, and yet it did. And I think that was his poor writing. Anyway, you brought Slave well, up. It's a that, lot of, that, that hit me very hard when it was like, oh, a, you might, um, what did I try? Well, the, again, this, this is, you know, Alan Pryor. Uh, he, he's done some very lame anthropomorphizing uh, in terms of Slave. And, you know, we've gotten some of that with, with Orac. Uh, we didn't really get much any of that with Zen, but we we w- w- with Orac it was always kind of a snarky kind of thing. Uh, but here to the point, yeah, with with Slave, I mean it it made me chuckle, but not in a good way. See, now S- Zen was supposed to have a personality, didn't quite work out. Well, a Kind of did. Remember, he didn't always answer your questions. He didn't always not true in the beginning. Was, he was very it, evasive. It was it was not a personality like it was for us. It was like it was running his own agenda, kind of kind of thing. And it was there was just this sort of underlying implication that Zen was more than just a computer. Uh, well, you we, even said we, it we many talked times about over. that, right? We talked about that a number of times that there was that we felt that there was some huge secret behind Zen, right? And Orac also was basically imprinted with the personality matrix of its creator, Ensor. So that's all fine, but I just not seeing that and he was, you know, amazing guy. I'm just not seeing that here in Slave and or it doesn't make sense with Slave. And so they're trying to yeah, you're right, anthropomorphize the the computers and they're doing it at the wrong time in the wrong place. And it did kind of set me off when I heard I forget, it, actually. Alan Pryor's forgetting that uh, a slave is supposed to be a computer, so you have to write it as if it, you know, as you're talking to a computer. You know, well, he, he, it's just like they did with the way Blake regarded Zen in the very beginning, you know, when he said, you know, the seven of us or something like that. And, and, and I think it was Avon who questioned seven and it was Blake's, you know, Blake then uh, gave a directive to, towards Zen. So there is this, I, I, I think since that moment, there's been this idea, and especially, you know, with all the writing that's been going on with Orac, to write them as fully realized characters to the point where they have all the human emotions and human failings, which they shouldn't have. And I agree, and I'm not going to blame Alan Pryor 100 percent because the script editor should have caught that. Well, you know, it's it's literally one line of dialogue with the the that could have been just redone, and yet they ran it. So I mean, it's everybody, everybody in the food chain there takes blame for that, from the director to the script editor to the to the you know, it's just it's like all right, we here's another thing. I am trying to think if at any point anywhere else. In the Federation, in Blake 7, in all the years we've watched it, there are no other computers. Like Not them. like that. 
No. Not, not, you know, Slave seems like he's the closest to being possible. And we haven't seen, we haven't even seen any voice response computers, have we? No. I mean, Auric was supposed to be, you know, the big revolutionary thing. And I suppose he still is in some limited sort of way. But when we got Zen, I mean, that was the way they were presented him. We kind of were led to believe that this was some technology that the Federation had never seen on that kind of scale. And I mean, and it must be the case because we've never come across it in the, in the first three seasons of the show. Right. Right. The only thing that they thought was a super advanced computer was Moloch, and it turned out he wasn't. Right. So <clears throat> that was a little weird. And, of course, they have those little BBC uh, chess machines. That's the extent of their computers. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's try to rein it back towards the episode um, in hand. Oh, must we? Yeah. So they're trying to prevent – to try to <laughs> – remember the war, right? <laughs> remember the war with Andromeda? Yeah. yeah. Where they had the squishy alien things coming in and they were fighting – and the uh-huh. squishy alien, thing, alien things were either in human shape or they were, I don't know, some sort of blobular creatures, right? Um, did we really need ground-fighting shock troops on highly irradiated planets? Isn't, isn't that kind wow. of like saying, um, you know, if we'd been fighting World War II and we were island hopping and some of the islands were deadly radiation that how do we get men on that island to fight against the other against people the enemy? who can't be on that who island? can't be on that island because they're going to die now. I think I think we can take that one off the board. Yeah, just so kind of leave them there? I think let's take that whole 20 million credits that we were putting towards developing shock troops for inhospitable planets that are of no use to us anymore and let's fight somewhere else. Hey, you know something? If the aliens aren't radiation tolerant and they want that planet, have a go. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. It seems to be far more um, – oh, I would say uh, it'd be very quick. It would be cost-effective. I mean, hey, it sounds like a win-win as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making my, uh, my making my shock troops – and uh, I'm, I'm thinking the whole while I'm thinking, you know what they need? Big horns. <laughs> mm. You know, and I'm glad you said where the wild things come, you know, where the wild things from, right? Because I kept thinking, damn, there is something so insanely familiar about it. Uh-huh. And it was driving me nuts until you just said that. And I went, that's it. Yep. That's I wonder if the it. BBC was making an adaptation of that at in the, the time? 1980s and they had the costumes left behind or something. I don't it's know. It's possible. Because, uh, wow. I mean, that was like something out of some, yeah, demented fantasy movie or something. I got to tell you, the guy playing Og, though, he was putting his soul in that performance. Um, <laughs> he was, I, I'm thinking he was a classmate of Josette Simon. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been his only role. Um, I didn't bother to look him up, so I have no idea. Did I? But, you know, he goes, and a couple of in the, the hand gestures and stuff. It was really. It was very touching. I was I was hmm. touched. Um, so was Dana when she was thrown off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. Well, or that yeah. dummy, I should say. <laughs> wow, that wasn't the worst dummy off a cliff I've ever seen. I don't think the knees bent backwards, but it still didn't look natural. It no, it looked very, um, very. Oh, that's such a mannequin. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is feeding, fitting with the, uh, with the quality of the acting in the episode. Um, let's see. A couple of other things we want to talk about before we get into the ethics of the story and or the brainwashing. Um, Kevin Stoney uh, was back. We saw him before. We had a long talk about him um, being, well, he was in Space 1999 in the War Between the Sexes. Right, he was the leader. Oh, of the, yes. uh, the guy with the weird eyes, right? Remember what I said? Weird eyes, and then in space, nineteen ninety nine, he had them closed. Mm, right, and here we are, and he's got glasses over them. Glasses, yep, because his eyes were burned. Um, and he'd also been in Blake Seven earlier as Counselor um, Joban, I think. That he and Servalan were having that nice little back and forth where he was. <clears throat> explaining how tenuous her situation was for not getting Blake captured. And here he is back again. Um, some people have speculated that he's supposed to be the same guy, but he's changed his name because he's on the outs after the... After the whole... Servalan yeah, Servalan, yeah. Falling from but grace I thing. I don't see any evidence of that. Uh, no, I, I, it never... Cur- it never no. I mean, I recognized him, yeah, but it never dawned on me that he was supposed to be the same character. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's still on her form, though. I mean, she brings him out. She makes sure the guy doesn't file a flight plan. She gets the information from him. He mistakenly recognizes her as Servalan, which means... <laughs> He's dead. You're dead. And then she kills him. Um, so, bit part seemed to just basically there to fill a little time in this yeah. one. Um, and then... I want to point out that when Avon came bursting in with the crew... Oh, let's kick the chair! Kick the chair? He slipped. He's, I'm amazed he managed to keep his balance. That was that was a remarkable piece of work where he did not fall flat on his face. Yeah, he's, he's It was totally very awkward, yeah. Whoa. <clears throat> but, too, uh, much, too much gusto in that chair kicking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. One. Avon's got a plan. I like this. He's got a plan. He wants to put together a team, scientists and people, to do stuff, to fight the Federation. It's not a bad idea. It's like he wants to start a, I don't know, a, a rebellion or something. Wow. Bring up an what a novel and, idea. Uh, and do it. He's, but he's doing it a different way. Now, well, here's the thing. I'm mocking him, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not mocking him. Blake wanted to bring together an army. He wanted to get the fighting factions together to fight. Avon uh-huh. wants to bring together the smart people so that they can brain their way out of this. Right. It is a different – it's the same goal, different technique. Different, Yeah, different approach. Um, and for some reason – I guess because Dana knew the guy. So they wanted, they, they wanted some people who could do resistance to high radiation. Again, why? Is this uh, a big no. problem? Yeah. Mm. And also to fight the pacification drug, but I thought we—I thought that was taken care of. That was taken care of last week when they killed the only guy who knew how to make it, and they couldn't store the stuff for more than a few weeks. Right. So, yeah. So that's a done deal. Oh, oh, but doggone it, we forgot all about that as writers. So it's back, and yet they remembered it enough to mention it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Again, you know, it's it's that's the inconsistency of the show. So you, you come along, Dana comes along, she's obviously got the goo-goo eyes for this guy, he's obviously got the goo-goo eyes for her. He's been on this... You. He, yeah, he's been on this base by himself, all alone, for quite a few years, apparently, um, with just his 
furry animals for company. Oh, this is getting even sicker. <laughs> See, now, now this episode has just become depraved. <laughs> depraved. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know what? Just, you know what? Toss away the toss away the title animals. Call it bestiality. I mean, call it something else. But Do geez, those those horns, they're handles. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Ah, ah. <laughs> There's no other excuse for that. <laughs> oh dear. Okay then. <laughs> Moving right along. Moving right along. So Dana's there to try to convince her former whatever he is, you dirty uncle, dirty uncle, that he wants to join up with the Federation and continue doing some of his stuff, and so. Um, he shows her some of his stuff, to which she his responds stuff? with, "Oh, please! <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that in any kind of any kind of way. I mean his work. I don't think, I don't think there's any way to get out of this episode now. I mean everything no, you're getting, it, everything that every said, exit is covered. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all bad now. <laughs> um, show her his work." And her Ugh. response is, you're disgusting. This is disgusting work. This you is are horrible. disgusting. It's this repulsive. Is, yeah, yeah uh, well, of course it would because he's the dirty, nasty uncle. Right. But I mean, she's she's she's, she's really turned she's off. She's not by what he, actually but, saying you are disgusting. But when the work is shows bad. you his life's work, is look, this is what I've been working. What do you think? It's revolting. It's disgusting. It's the most horrible thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like. Okay, so I guess you don't want to stay with me, huh? It's like it it you don't turn me on anymore. Bye. It's not how you sweet talk someone into joining your rebellion. It's like right? not entirely. Not 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 exactly straight. It's like, huh? Yeah. Uh, I I can see some ethical concerns here perhaps. It's like um but you know, uh, bits of it like the radiation proofing, that that's good. Is that the horns? <laughs> yes, it's in the horns. <laughs> it's yeah, all it's, in the it's, horns. Yeah, it, it's great at soaking things up. And <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, thank you, thank oh, you. I'll be here all, all week. week. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, where were we going with this? Here we go. <laughs> straight to the gutter. Seriously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, her her trying to convince him, or him trying to convince her to stay, she trying to convince him to go, and her constantly reminding him how revolting she finds what he's been doing. Just do not... It doesn't jive. It doesn't jive. It doesn't come together. It's just, it's, it's like ill-fitting pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. So then we have Servalan, or Sleer, whatever you want to call him. Um... You know, I just uh, heard – I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, and when I say I just heard this, literally one of our com- or listeners commented uh, like three minutes before we started this podcast that he had heard that uh, Commissioner Sleer was supposed to be a different character. Indeed. And that they didn't think they were going to get Jacqueline Pierce back. And mm-hmm. then they did. And so – they did this. I don't know if that's true or not. I I'd not heard that before. But no, way, it kind of makes sense. Um, I, I could kind of see it. But anyway. Uh, well, it, it does kind of make sense in a way because I find the whole premise behind the Servaland to Slear identity uh, tenuous at best. Yeah. I mean, okay, so you, we, we – okay, they presented it in the, in the series. This is the reason why. 
I just find I, I just have a hard time buying it. But if Sleer was supposed to be a completely different character, then it kind of makes more sense. I, I could see that working. It also kind of makes more sense of the scene where she captures Dana, who Dana wants to kill her. Badly. Badly. And Dana is, you know, there on the scene. She associates with people that Servalon would really, really like to see dead. She's there at the scene where a ordinary old space hopper took off at Time Distort 12. Um, there's a whole lot... There's a whole lot of stuff that would be more useful to get out of Dana than, frankly, some radiation-proof shock troops. Dana's yeah. a much bigger catch than Justin is. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever that she does nothing other than use Dana to get at Justin. And so oh, yeah. So we take this aversion. Th- so she's got an lie detector. She doesn't ask her anything about the Scorpio, where they are, the cruise <laughs> Right? Avon said if she captures if she's captured by the Federation, the use of this base is gone, which would make perfect sense if somebody had bothered to ask when they had her on the pain giving lie detector. But they didn't. Instead they spent the entire time doing aversion therapy so that she hates him. And it starts off with this I'm gonna give you aversion therapy so you hate Justin. They then torture her, and at the end of it, she hates Justin. Yeah. But she knows that they gave her aversion therapy to yeah, make. Yeah, so how her effective hate. is that? I mean, yeah, I I have I have major issues with the whole concept of brainwashing. And doesn't she and still hate Servalin? She yeah. So I mean, none of that comes off as far as I'm concerned. It's like it, she it's, is a blank slate basically. Right. She's she's a she's a bored in this episode and they've just programmed one thing in her and that's all she's got left and that doesn't make any sense at all right i mean you you hate justin that's what you are now dana you hate justin are you gonna help us absolutely i'm gonna help you serve Alan, the man who shot my blind father in the back uh, <laughs> like sure yeah give me a gun so she goes in and of course she plays her i hate you justin turning head and keeping away from him and uh, and then they take her back and program her to love Justin. Yeah. I'll, uh... Just so it can break her heart at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even, I don't get it. No. I, I really don't get it. I don't know. I, I don't get any of it, uh, which makes me wonder if maybe there actually were more scenes. Now, I, this is me trying to give some benefit of the doubt to the writing and and the the episode as a whole that maybe there were more scenes because this thing is, as i said uh, the episode it feels like it's 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 a jigsaw puzzle with pieces that don't fit uh at times i i keep wondering what's the motivation of some of these people because they i mean characters that are very well established as far as we are concerned and yet I cannot figure out what the heck they really want and why. Because their behavior, their patterns, their actions don't really track in that respect. So the whole episode is like this. It's it's just a big uneven mess. Yes, and it's very talky. Uh-huh. And um, they, don't accompli- they don't explore the ideas – there is the whole there's the whole part during the first part of the episode where he keeps telling her I I can't tell you 
what I'm doing, which implies that he's working for someone. Yeah, but he's by himself. He's not working for anyone. No, not at all. And uh, yeah, I I, I mean, I don't get this. I I, I just don't get this episode. And were we supposed, you know, if let's say it was Callie, right? So we can eliminate the uh, creepy factor there completely. And uh, because she's old enough to have had a lover before she joined the crew. Um, That would not, it would not have helped the story. It wouldn't have helped this story, but I wonder if they would have – would they have gone with the brainwashing? I can I can kind of see the brainwashing. I thing. can see that happening too because we've got to keep, keep in mind – I mean poor Callie. I mean how many times has that woman had her brain messed with? Well, what I was – yeah, but I mean what I was going to say is I could see you programming her to hate him so that he would get betrayed – I, I, I can kind of see that even in this plot. It's the part where then they turn around and instead of undoing the brainwashing or the brainwashing wearing off or anything that reverts her to her former feelings, they actually program her to love him more so. Right. Now it's now it's an you know, it's like the hatred. It's an unreasoning love. It's not mm-hmm. it's not what she had before. No, it, it's not undoing what they've done in the first place. They're they're layering something on top of what they've done, and yeah, and that's the part I kind of wonder if they'd have done it differently if it had been Callie. If maybe it would have worn off and she'd realized what a horrible thing she'd done, because you know that's that's for dramatic purposes. It's much worse. They force you and they trick you into betraying somebody, and then you find out that you betrayed them because you were not acting in your own self-interest or not acting in your own um, volition. And, uh, you know, that would be a much worse regret. I mean, assuming, of course, he still ends up dead. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. Or it's just bad writing. Mm, Bad writing. Agreed. It's probably bad writing. Um, What else have we got? I got... Well, one thing that that really just kind of stuck out at me, and I'm only bringing this up because we discussed this uh, when we were going over some of the the phraseologies uh, in Star Drive, and that is when it was reported that there was a a hopper that was – a space hopper that was traveling at time distort 12. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the distort. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I thought – didn't that get established that it was – Traveling in real time, but that's uh, what they. But that's kind of what they said. Even in Star Drive, they said that ship was traveling at time distort eight. When I was talking about the buggies in real space, so it's like my guess is this: <clears throat> time distort eight is a speed. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's an actual. You are traveling three hundred and seventy-eight million kilometers per second. But that there is some sort of spatial anomaly that accompanies it. It's a warping of space. It's a warping of space. But the practical, but the practical end is you're traveling at a certain speed, which is somehow, <clears throat> you know, you you fold space twelve by a factor of twelve, and you can travel between point A and point B at the equivalent of a speed of whatever. Okay, I, this is the best I can come up with. As to what they're trying to say here. And yet, then they're saying that those space buggies, I can't remember what they were called, space 
It wasn't Space Hopper. It was um, anyway the uh, little buddies. Yeah, we're traveling at the equivalent of time distort twelve in real space. So they were not warping space. Mm. They were simply pushing across the the frame in real time. This guy is measuring the ship. It says we, initial measurements were it accelerated at time distort twelve. Is he talking about the equivalent of time to distort 12, or is he actually talking about it moving at time to distort 12? And I don't think it, I, I, I don't think it's relevant. Um, I just think it's, they don't really have a good grasp of how TD works. Um, we don't have a good grasp because they've never no. explained it. No, exactly. So we're, we're guessing based on, uh, you know, based on the name, you know, it sounds like, He's traveling at hyperspace six. You know, there's like, well, I don't, I don't know what that means, but I assume that it means something to do with the hyperspace, <laughs> you know? So time mm. distorting, distorting, distorting stuff, space and time are one in the same. So, um, you know, they're, they're two facets of, of one another. It's, uh, I think it's just, putting it in a context that they can understand it as they're explaining it from one person to the next. This is the best I can come up with. But at least now Servalan knows about it. Oh, wait, she would know that that was the Scorpio if she had bothered to ask Dana about it. Yeah, she didn't seem to be the slightest bit interested in the fact that the ship was going so fast. She wasn't interested in it being Dana. We never saw the scene where she captured her. Well, we saw the scene where the troops captured well, the, gu- the, well, the guards found her, yeah. Yeah, but the next scene, she's already strapped in the chair, and she's talking with Sleer, and they're mid-conversation. We don't know what happened before that. Was it like, well, there's a Dana lot of- Mellonby? Well, I'll be. Does that mean Avon's here on the planet, too? How yeah. did you get off the planet? You know, I saw you on that last planet. Well, that's why I keep thinking, I wondered if there was actually more filmed. I mean, the story even be- – I mean, this episode begins mid-conversation, which I will admit is a little refreshing – because there's nothing more that I, I just can't stand coming into a story and then they feel they have to give this really forced exposition to bring the viewer up to some kind of speed instead of assuming that we're you know fast enough to understand what's really happening. Uh, but at the same time, still, we did come into the middle of a conversation between Dana and Tarrant. Now we're in the middle of a scene between Dana and Servalan. So I, that's why I keep wondering, were there other things filmed and then just taken out for the sake of time? Because it took a very, very slow episode and just really, you know, reduced it to a bloody crawl. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But it, I did think, you know, it um, by not having it there, it covers a multitude of sins because there is, you know, if this were Commissioner Sleer, she wouldn't know Dana. Dana wouldn't really know her. I mean, apart from by reputation, let's say. But I mean, there's nothing personal there between the two of them. Right. There's no years of Servalon battling Blake and his crew. There's no Dana's father was killed by Servalon. There's nothing. If it's Sleer, it's a blank slate. She's just a nasty head of security that runs the pacification program. Right. And Dana is just some girl on a planet that she wouldn't have any inkling of is is you know, part of Avon's rebellion or have any, uh, have any link with Avon. So, uh, it feels like by skipping them meeting and being captured and brought forward, we're, they're saving them from a complicated conversation that should not work 
in this episode with it being Serverland. Right. And they just kind of by. We'll just sweep, we're just going to sweep that part under the rug. Uh, we, you know, Servalin is more is far more interested in finding some radiation proof shock troops for the war she's not fighting against people on radiation prone planets, <clears throat> instead of finding herself a spaceship that can do time distort twelve in real space, which mm-hmm. seems like that probably should have been her more uh, important because if she had that star drive. Then, then she could put it on her ships, and she could be invincible. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, again, it, it's it's questioning the motivations of what everybody's doing. It it just it just oh wow! Um, it left me kind of at a loss for words because it's just just a strangely written story. Well, there's one thing we can say about it, though, as we wind our way down towards the end of Blake 7 as we get closer and closer to the final episode the last episode in the series we're going to be passing more and more firsts or more and more lasts ah this is the last episode by Ben Steed ah this is the last episode by Alan Pryor um and in a way maybe those are good things well I mean I can't say that it, it's not it couldn't get worse but at least I can say that I don't have to uh, watch any of this man's stories anymore. Right, right. Um, let's see. How about those haircuts? <gasps> oh, I know. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do know who you're talking about. Wow. That was, that's a fashion statement. What is, what is with her crew of female troopers? I don't know. I, it, it was like, it, where did they come from like that? So we haven't seen mutoids in a while. No, I'm guessing the mutoids are gone. We haven't seen mutoids since they switched from the Travis era, first Travis era, well, mm-hmm. actually Travis era, leather uh, Federation troops to the third and fourth season sparkly, sparkly stuff that they're wearing now. I, I don't think we've seen a mutoid uh, since then. So mm, are these troopers the new version of mutoids? I, uh, we never heard them talk that I can think of. Um, I, I, I never got the impression that they were mutoids in of themselves. I just, to me, they were just, they did, they, they just seemed like guards. Well, I agree that, that they didn't exactly come off as mutoids. I'm just wondering because it seems like there's a statement being made there. When you have your troops, fine, serve a line. Or Sleer, she's got her troops, and she's decided that she wants her retinue to be all women. Fine. You got women in the military, in the Federation, you can do that. Why are they wearing that same funky hairstyle? That um, was the part that was... The you know, same it's, like, for the, it's like being on UFO on the moon well, I was gonna, I was, Exactly. I was going to say, well, uh, it's like uh, moon base, the shadow personnel. When you're on duty, you have to wear a funny colored wig. Yeah, that's it's always part, part a of the meaningful. Uh, yeah, why don't they make the guys wear that wig too? I, we I talked about that then. We we actually mentioned that. Yeah, it would be nice. I, you know, hey, it's gender equality. I, I'm, you know, I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah, I have got nothing on that. I mean, I really don't know except that it was very weird looking in yeah. an episode filled with weird. 
<laughs> it was just like, what the heck? All right. I think this entire episode is a what the heck. It was. It was more than a little bit of a what the heck. Oh, yeah. Um, I got nothing. Um, I don't think I really have anything either, except, you know, that I, I, I feel like uh, Monsieur Pryor, he, I don't feel he had a real proper idea of a story, maybe barely a thread of one, which was uh, probably after, you know, having a, a midnight watching of Dr. Moreau or something. And uh, then he just kind of made it made it up the rest of the, rest of the way. I, I do wonder how, how much of this is inspired by Dr. Moreau. And if it were inspired by Dr. Moreau, why didn't we concentrate on the messages of Dr. Moreau? Because maybe somebody at the Beeb said you can't do that. You know, we we get little brief indications that these animals um, are adopting human-like characteristics, particularly Og. And, you know, the, there's, there is the question in the island of Dr. Moreau about, you know, are they men? Mm-hmm. Do they have a primal... Do they have a primal nature that they have to revert to? Do they... Um, it's been a, it's been quite a few years since I read Doctor Moreau, but um, you know those are the things that stand out. Is you know who is more human, even mm-hmm. right? Um, in some cases, the animals or or the 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 animals or what the heck did they call them in the? Oh, I don't Dr. recall. Moreau, I don't recall the title um, that they received. Were um, in some ways more human than Doctor Moreau himself. I think that maybe that's sort of the parable that uh, Pryor thought he was going with, and with the title of animals, he really wasn't referring to uh, Og and company. He was more referring to you know, characters like Justin and Servalan, that they're the real animals because of you know, Servalan's desire, you know, and even Justin's you know, their desire to exploit them. That that makes them, makes the humans more animals than the animals themselves. I think it would have been more convincing argument for that if he hadn't kept referring to them as animals. He didn't even bother to come up with a name for them. True. They're just the animals. True. I, I agree. They weren't animals. They were deserters. They were human beings. <laughs> like, right. So, you know, it's like the whole thing is flipsy-fervy. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it just... Well, again, that's why I thought he had he had a thread of an idea, and then just started grabbing stuff out of the air and putting it into the episode because he really had no idea how to develop it into, into something that would have been a really good story and uh, possibly a good allegory, uh, a good allegorical tale regarding um, you know man experimenting on other life forms, things like that. I mean, it could have been something really good, but I don't think Pryor knew how to do it. So instead, we got this. Yeah. I also thought the whole part where Tarrant, Avon, and Sulin show up with guns at the base of an armed Federation ship. And, ah, I hear gunships, or I hear gunshots. Let's take off immediately. Mm. What spooks Servalan about that? I mean, she's been used to killing off her troops all along anyway, so... I know. That that one was kind of... Especially kinda... the fact that she's so desperate to get that information out of Justin's head. 
And would you really be worth, would you really waste the time if you were in a hurry to get off to push the body out? Not really. Couldn't she just, like, chuck it out in space later? I mean, you've already lost a few people, so it's not like you're overweight. <laughs> True. I don't know. It's, it's so that can give Dana a moment to cry. Justin, no. Happy credits, happy credits, happy credits. Yeah. Villa, get us out of here. Teleport or whatever. Yeah. It Prepare was... to teleport. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo, Justin, no. Da-da-da-da-da. Like, whoa, what? Oh, more you know, unevenness. I don't think we've mentioned it, but I kind of like the redone theme music for the fourth series. It's a little more working. punchy. It's not working for me. It doesn't fit the tone of the series. Maybe that's why I don't like it. You know, they, they've reached the point where the, the tone has really gone, I'd say, darker, but, you know, more yeah. downbeat, etc. And yet the, the music is a little more chipper. It's, it's more up. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, I wish I could say this was a joy, but I, I'm just sorry. I, I can't because it was disgusting. <laughs> Well, you're not going to convince me to go along with your cause then. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers, sir. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. <laughs>